A very special edition of the Behind the You podcast as we are joined by new AD Dan Radakovich. Dan, thank you for doing this. Josh, it's my pleasure. Hope everything's going well for you today. Everything is going great. This is I just got off the phone with Rudy and now it's like I got you here. It's like the 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 bet. I feel like it's like how how am I going to maintain this level <clears throat> the rest of 2022? Oh, uh, you'll you'll find a way and we're always available, Josh. You know, we're we're here to help and uh you know, make sure that we can uh really you know give information to our fans and our student athletes and uh, the people who enjoy this podcast i appreciate that so you mentioned when you were at clemson you mentioned you're at clemson Dabo handed you a napkin yes he did has mario given you anything yet uh we've talked a little bit um <laughs> certainly um you know he is he is relearning miami much like i am relearning uh the the place right now um, there's been significant changes since I was on campus back in the 80s, yeah. um, uh, but some familiarity as well, you know, with some things that, that just haven't changed. But, you know, we need we need to take a little time and, and make sure that that we make the right steps uh, for the program. Uh, we and, and then go out with a vision of where we need to be to get some folks excited from a contributed funds uh, circumstance uh, so that we could make whatever we kind of think of as being uh, very important, uh, make it become a reality. So um, let's get down to this. You, whenever the first time UM reached out to you, whenever that was, what was your initial reaction? Or better yet, you turned to your wife and you said, and you said what? Well, uh, <laughs> before I get to what I said to my wife, uh, you know, I, I think that the first time we called, it was a little bit about, you know, they had already made their decisions looking to uh, maybe move along with a, uh, obviously with a new athletic director and our conversation uh, maybe at first was um, about some people maybe that I, I, I knew that, that would be good for the um, good for the job. But very quickly it turned into after I got to, to talk with Rudy and, and some of the other folks there, I started to think that maybe this is a, a good uh, opportunity for me and, and really to come back uh, to Miami, a place that I lived for for 10 years uh, from in, during the 80s and, and really enjoyed uh, the South Florida area. Uh, my professional journey took me in a lot of other different directions, but uh, it was it was fairly quick that we kind of uh, began to think about, well, maybe this is a good opportunity. And, uh, you know, my wife, you know, we had we met here in Miami uh, many, many years ago. Uh, and uh, lived here for that time period. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a really great opportunity and something that uh, we're looking forward to. So what, what was it that Rudy laid out, uh, or Joe and uh, Echeverria and the rest of the crew? What did they lay out that made you say, hey, this might be something for me? I think it was the idea of the, um, the prioritizing of athletics. I mean, obviously, you have your teaching and research, which is the bread and butter and the and the guts of a, of any university. Here at Miami, you have the healthcare system, and now they want to put athletics in in that same conversation, um, knowing that it's it's going to take some resources, knowing it's going to take investment. Um, but I think they were very uh, very honest about where where they think they are and and where they need to be. Um, my journey has kind of taken me to places that have made those types of investments. Um, and, and there's been some significant uh, rewards uh, associated with that. So you, I think I think it's I don't know if this is yours. I know you've said it. I don't know if it's, it, this is attributed directly to you. But you said the fun is in the winning, right? 
Um, yeah, that, that's a Davoism. I'm not going to. Okay. Um, All right. Just be good. That's fine. But is there fun in what you're about to embark on as well? The journey you know, of building to that point. There, there really is, Josh. Um, you know, because you, you need to get a lot of in, information from a lot of people. You need to distill it. You need to look at how, how it's going to affect the culture of the campus and, and all those pieces. So it really is a, a give and take. Um, to, to make sure that whatever you build is going to have, uh, number one, uh, it, it needs to last. Um, it, it just can't be something that is there for a little while because that really doesn't create uh, a very positive uh, return on the investment. Uh, but we wanna build buildings and, and create programs here that are going to move the athletic program forward. And if the athletic program's moving forward, the institution continues to move forward. What, so you had been on that side of Clemson, right? You've done a lot of winning <laughs> over the last nine years and, and built up, you know, that department and that football program, et cetera. What were some, so they had a vision, right? Rudy and Joe had a vision of, of, of sort of uh, taking UM up to that level. What were some of the things having been there, having just been there that you wanted to know or hear, or what were some of the things that were said that made you start nodding your head? Like, yes, this is, this is really appealing. Well, you know, we know here at, at, at Miami, there's not a, a, a lot of land around our, our campus. So we, we have to be really frugal with, you know, whatever ideas we have. Um, but I think that there, the, the number one thing was, and, and I said it earlier and probably can't overstate it, is uh, the amount of how important athletics is on, on the UM campus and to the UM culture. And you know, they do so many things at a world-class level. And we wanna make sure with the investment that was made with Mario, uh, bringing some other folks here as well, um, that we're gonna be able to take this program and move it to a level that uh, it has been in the past. Uh, it's, it's not foreign. Uh, it's, it's not like it's never happened here uh, before, um, but our intercollegiate athletic world has changed dramatically over, over those time periods, over the last 20 years. So we have to create a University of Miami athletic program that responds to this, uh, this time, 2022 and beyond. Uh, and that's what's gonna be really important. Some of it is building, some of it is programmatic, some of it is student athlete support, some of it is uh, you know, just getting into the community and making sure that, that we have uh, a lot of support from the community. So a lot of different facets to it, Josh, but. Um, you know, one of the things that, that people see, and we, we were successful doing that at, at, at Clemson, a lot of the things that people see first are the facilities. So let, let's make sure we can get those right. So when that gets right, when it, when it happens, when it's built, when the program's winning, what does the importance of athletics as a showcase, uh, as a marketing tool, as a revenue generator, what does that, um, what does that turn into realistically when, you, when that is occurring? Well, I think it, for a lot of institutions, and, and again, I don't know the, 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 you know, a lot of the statistics here at the University of Miami, but you, you get a much broader uh, student pool to, to come in uh, from an application perspective. Uh, it, it's something that your um, educators, the professors um, can, can really rely on uh, whenever they go to uh, different functions throughout the uh, country that people are going to recognize and understand that uh, wow, this is a, a, a university that not only has great academics, but they also have the ability to have great athletics. 
So when you meld those two things together, um, that's a special place. And there's not a lot of them, especially in the private school universe that, that can really say that. And we wanna make sure that we're in that, we're in that very uh, small number. People say it's good for football if UM is good. It's good for the sport if UM is good. You've, you've been in the ACC, I think, the better part of the last, what, almost 15 years, right? Right. Georgia Tech and Clemson. So what, what would it be like if UM is – if you, let's say you just took UM and put them where what, – whatever you just did at Clemson, if that was UM, what does that look like for the sport of football? Is it – how good is it for the sport if, the sport if, if UM is, is back where everyone wants it to be? Well, I think that, you know, Miami has that – national presence, not unlike Southern California or Texas, you know, when, when you have that national brand like Miami has, it is better for college football when you're good. Uh, and it's much, much better for the ACC when Miami is good. Uh, you know, Commissioner Swafford, when, when Florida State was already in the league and Miami and some of the other old Big East schools came in, they were purposefully put in different divisions. And they were doing that with the idea that these two programs not only would play a great game during the course of the year as their permanent opponents, but more often than not, uh, they would play in the championship game as well. Well, that's never happened. Um, so, you know, Florida State's been there a few times. Miami's been there uh, once. Uh, we, we need to hold up our end of the bargain and, and make sure that the football program at, at, at Miami is contributing to the overall strength of the Atlantic Coast Conference. What does that then do for the conference? Well, I think it, it, it certainly helps the conference. I mean, there's, um, you know, we wanna be able, we, we have a long-term deal with our multimedia partner, um, but the opportunity to um, change that along the way um, certainly comes by having more than just one successful uh, college football team. Uh, you need to have a deep league. And, and while we're, we're, we have a, a deeper league than maybe some people give us credit for, uh, it, it's not seen that way nationally. And I think that, that Miami certainly would help um, make sure that that national recognition is, is focused on the ACC. Uh, I think in your opening press conference, you mentioned something about um, you have two sons and you said you used to tell your boys what it was like when you worked at Miami because they weren't here for that. So what'd you tell them? What were the stories you shared? Well, I, I you know, during those times, very intercollegiate athletics was very different. Um, you know, I told someone earlier today, I was here when the University of Miami got their first fax machine. Um, <laughs> and, and it was a big day. Uh, it was just, a, it was a huge day. Um, so, you know, the, the time here in, in athletics versus what they were able to see growing up, uh, whether it was at South Carolina or LSU or, or Georgia Tech, um, really was very, very different. And um, you know, the, the camaraderie that Coach Snellenberger and his staff had, it was, it was not as many people here. Ron Fraser was just a magnificent. Bill Foster was here for a little while as the, as the basketball program was was pulled back together. They couldn't believe that Miami didn't have basketball all that time. So they were like the, the multitudes of, of saying, wow, you mean they did, there was a time they didn't play basketball? And I, I said, yeah, there was a time they didn't play basketball. Pretty crazy, right? What is, um, you, you've talked about how, the, how, how everything's changed and we're in a world right now, like in this present day, there's a lot going on. NIL, transfer portal, um, TV contracts, you know, realignment. What do you see it? How, how would you stack those up in terms of, of I don't know, prioritization of, of what needs to kind of work itself out for the best interest of college athletics? 
I think the the number one thing, well, there's actually one and one A. Um, you know, the NIL is a great thing for the student athletes, fully support that and make sure that those student athletes have the ability to do things that their classmates can do. Um, but we need federal legislation to, to even the playing field. Uh, I know the state of Florida was one of the first states to come forward with NIL laws and uh, my old state of South Carolina took a lot of the pieces from that law and, and put theirs in place. Um, but the folks that, that have the best, um, the best opportunities right now are the states that don't have NIL laws. And they follow the very um, wide berth that the NCAA put forward to um, you know, allow to administer name, image, and likeness for student athletes. So I think a federal law is really important. 1A to that is the NCA Constitutional Convention that's coming forward. Uh, it's going to be ratified. Division one is going to have a little more autonomy, but I think it's very important to look at that as a subset that the autonomy five conferences, the PAC 12, the big uh, 12, the big 10, the SEC and ACC really take more control of, of their, how they govern themselves. Um, because it's, it's very, very difficult uh, our problems and our challenges um, are very different than those uh, of, of schools in the group of five or those schools that are considered division one that don't even play football, um, the 350 some odd division one basketball schools. So the missions of the schools are different. The missions of the athletic programs are different and the experiences of the student athletes are different. We need to be able to take more control uh, uh, on how those things are, are the rules that are put into place and how we go about uh, making our student athlete experience the best it can be. Do you see any movement for change to at least looking at like signing day count the calendar of the sport with, you know, with the, the transfer portals, early signing day, regular signing day. Do you see that being a, a topic of conversation as well? I'm sure it will be, and I'm sure it'll come from the national, uh, the American Football Coaches Association. Um, I, I think that they, they need to have a, a great voice in all of that because certainly they're the practitioners, you know, associated with that and, and understand the pluses and minuses of, of having that early signing day. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, the idea you have 85 scholarships. I don't care when you when you, how many people you bring in or whatever, you stay at 85 scholarships. So you don't have any one-year limitation that we have now with 25, or if you lose some people to the transfer portal, you can replace some of those. Um, that becomes very difficult, I think, for some programs. So we need to be able to have that, that type of autonomy. So as we get down to, to kind of, you know, what do you, I think as we're doing this, you've been, been in, in, the, in that chair that you're sitting in for what, five days? Five days, day five, <laughs> day five. I'm, so, I'm and you've got it. You took it. You checked everything off the list already, right? Um, yeah, it's, the, the desk is clean right here. I mean, on a Friday afternoon, but a lot of work to do, Josh. I mean, I'm, again, you know, as I said earlier in the in, at the press conference, the first 30, 60, 90 days are really listening and understanding the culture of the campus and, and what things can you do? What things can't you do? So you don't waste a lot of time in, in looking at whether it's a facility master plan or, or programs that allow you to stay in compliance with Title IX. Uh, all of those things, we, we really just need to sit and learn. Uh, I need to sit and learn about the 2022 version of the University of Miami because it's 
vastly different than the 1985 version that I left. Yeah. Well, if you just had a, if you're just getting a fax machine there, I would say it's drastically different. It's different. Absolutely. <laughs> so what, what is it that you will, what is it that you want to know? I mean, I know that's a, that's a very open-ended question, right? But what are the things you'll be asking, ask the questions you'd be asking, the, the things that you want to know that will help you um, integrate, you know, as quickly as possible so that then you can start making decisions to move forward? Well, I think there's, it's interesting things because we, you know, the university is in the city of Coral Gables. And, you know, there are, there are restrictions on, on how you build things, you know, within the city. Have fun. Yes. Have fun with that. <laughs> so, I, I mean, but it, it, it's something you need to know. Um, so how, how do we go about doing, how do, how do we go about having those meetings? And we had a great one today with some of our university facility people who were, you know, schooling me on, on what needs to, what we can and we can't do based on some of those zoning restrictions. And then, you need to be able to say, okay, whatever we do, how is it going to perform and, and create a positive return on that investment that we bring in? And then from there, we need to you know, create this vision and go out to our great donors and people who love the University of Miami and say, this building or this program or, or, or this change is, is going to be uh, very positive for not only the athletic program, but the university and then specifically for the student athletes. You mentioned at your press conference um, alignment. That was a word you used. Yourself, yep. the board, the president. What does that look like uh, for you know, people on the, on the outside uh, tuning into this? And then what's the benefit of alignment? Well, the, the benefit of the alignment is really you don't have to spend a lot of time convincing people uh, of whatever ideas you you might come up with or changes you want to make um, that doesn't mean they always agree but they you know they, they look at the fact that if I take this if the football coach takes it to me and I take it to the president the president takes it to the board what the board will say okay it's been vetted um, by some people who we trust and and we know have the best interest of the university at heart that's that's really what alignment is and alignment also is communication um, to be able to know and understand how something that is being done on another part of campus might affect you um, from an athletics perspective. So, I mean, there, that was really important and really well done at, at Clemson. And I think that that really contributed to the success because the, there, there, was, there, was no, there was no filter in e any of those links on that chain. We were just from one to the other to the other always had open communication. And I feel like with, with Rudy and President Frank and, and uh, Lori Silver, who's the chairman of the board and uh, David Epstein, the athletic chair, um, numerous conversations uh, have been very positive and let's, let's move forward and, and, and take the athletic program to uh, become the best it can be. So when it, come, when it comes to building, Dan, um, you're like, you just don't erect a building, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, all right, we're going to make it, we're going to build. And here, here we go. And you mentioned even down here, but you know, the zoning issues, which is a part of that. So where does that process start? You know, like for you as an athletic, we want whatever the next, whatever you want to build, whatever you ultimately you guys decide, Hey, this is what we're going to go with first. You know, as an athletic director, you're not a, you're not the engineer, right. You know, you're not the design, you're not the architect. So what, how do you get it from your desk or, or Mario's desk or the baseball coach's desk or whoever it is, right, to all those steps in the process to ensure that what you're building 
is is what is desired and, and what is and you also kind of look yeah you have to look into the future because it's a couple year process right i think all of that comes down to the earlier statement that i made of listening for those 30 60 or 90 days i mean being able to sit and talk with the coaches that are here you know what are the good things that they see what are the what are their needs and desires but i, I will tell you josh that um, I've never been in a circumstance where there's just one building that needs to get built. There, there are several <laughs> ones that need to happen. And then you have to prioritize them um, to, to make sure that you're, you're doing the first things first and, and say, okay, this is going to happen 18 months down the road, 24 months down the road, 36 months down the road, and kind of pull together a little bit of a plan um, that, that everybody can see and, and, and rally around. Um, you know, that I think is, is very important. When I got to Clemson, uh, in December of 2012, I had a presentation to our board in July of 13. And of that presentation, 80% of what was in that presentation ultimately got built. It never looked like what was in that presentation. Um, but it was a football operations center. It was a softball. It was a uh, add on to the stadium. It was a renovation to the Memorial Coliseum, the basketball facility. It was a new tennis um, venue. All of those got built, um, but and we added a few things along the way, but it was done based on that first visioning statement that was done after accumulating conversations with uh, a lot of a lot of the people in the department. So so much is made about facilities and building as under the athletic director domain what what else is important to you right i mean that's not the only thing uh obviously hiring staffing is something else but once you go past those two what do you start to prioritize what's important to dan, dan radikovich as an athletic director well i will tell you that while facilities get an awful lot of, of of mention because people can see them you know when when you when you complete those projects people are the number one um asset and, and making sure that you surround yourself with really good people, that they're, they're focused on doing their job. Uh, it allows the whole department to get to a new level um, and refining those, those roles so that you're not overloaded in one area, um, that somebody has too much responsibility and you look around and maybe someone else who's very capable doesn't have that responsibility. And that's, that's really a tricky thing to come, come, come to pass with. Um, I told someone about a year ago that dealing with personnel is probably 60 to 65% of, of the job. And it's, it's just people. And a lot of those are, it's really positive. Some are negative, but most of it's really positive because you're wanting to have people grow and move forward in, in, in their chosen profession. Certainly the facilities is a piece, but the other part that's important for, for me is that the athletic program is a great, not good, a great partner with the institution in moving it forward. Uh, because part of our job is to create events, uh, whether it's at a basketball game or a baseball game here on campus or a football game at Hard Rock Stadium that allows our educators to bring world-class people and, and have them experience the University of Miami. That's really important because it is the gathering spot. Um, and athletics is that thread that kind of goes through, you know, throughout campus. So, uh, that's important to me as well. Um, <clears throat> in terms of people, are there things you value 
obviously skill set for their right the job but like are there things you value in the people you bring into the program things you really kind of now you've been doing this for a while that you really hey i like to have these kind of people on my staff whether he's in facilities communications marketing whatever it is i've kind of learned that these traits uh with these people are the kind of people i like to have around me I, i love innovators um i love people who aren't afraid to fail um, I love people that create ideas and I love people that work hard. Um, you find those kind of people and you surround yourself with them. Um, you know that they're going to be smart um, because they, they have those other four traits that I just talked about. Um, but those are the kind of people that I really enjoy uh, being around, you know, putting up on the whiteboard. You know, here's some ideas that we can look at. How could we make that happen? And, you know, no one in the room saying, no, we, we can't do that. We can't do that. We can't do that. Th- those, are, those are things that, that really stifle that creativity and that innovation. And, and you really shouldn't, really shouldn't have those folks around you uh, because that, that really stifles um, the ability for an organization to move forward. So one thing, um, I actually worked, I worked for the football program for a year. Uh, back in 2015. And the one thing that Clemson was known for was their, their social, their creative department, their social media department. And I was doing my research for this. You had made mention that that was, you made an investment in that. That is something you believed in. And and I think part of that got to transparency, communication, and probably connectivity. Right. But what was your vision back then for why that was important and why you decided that that was a place that needed to, uh, or that you wanted, I should say, to, be special. Well, you know, back at that point in time, and by the way, everyone's kind of jumped on that train and just, no, you know, no, 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 but you guys did it really, really, that, that group did it really well. They did. And it was kind of a, an idea of looking at sports information and communications and saying, we've got to be more than a three paragraph press release after a game. Okay. Because the people that we're recruiting, whether it's students for the university or certainly student athletes, that's not what they're looking for. Um, they need to have video. They need to understand the character and culture of, in, in this case, the, the football program. And the things that we were able to pull together. So we invested there. We, we brought people in and, and it was a, a, a very strategic investment to bring that group of people together, to give them the autonomy to go out and create um, the uh, the features and the videos and the Twitter presence and the Instagram presence and the Facebook presence that really pushed Clemson forward. And I, I, you know, as I look back, that's one of the better things that we did um, there was, was create that opportunity. I take no credit at all um, for the creativity that, that those folks did um, during that time period. Um, but it, they, they were a wonderful group of people They had a great leader in Jonathan Gant. Uh, the football program had, had done some of that uh, previously, but then they kind of morphed it all together under one umbrella and really made it a, a, a special part uh, of the athletic program there. And once it got rolling, could you sense how it was working in a positive nature for the school and the program? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, because you would get student athletes who were, you know, they're recruited, they sign, they come on campus and you sit and you talk to them about, um, you know, what were some of the differentiators? And, and back in the uh, 14, 15, 16 timeline, a, a lot of that was based on, you know, the social media pieces that we were doing and, and how that, that presence was, 
being felt by those uh, student athletes who were coming to school there. So, yeah, it was a it was a big part of the success, not the least of which was the football program at that point in time was was trending upward. That helped. That, that 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 helped a lot. Um, we could put a lot of things on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, um, and and not had that winning program and. It wouldn't have mattered as yeah. much. Dancing in a losing locker room wouldn't have had the same effect, right? No, it wouldn't have. Um, I think you said about Mario that um, you know, he kind of see, he's seen it, he knows what it takes, right? He's been he's been there, kind of been there, seen it, done it, uh, both as an assistant as in a head coach. But the same same can be said for you, right? You've seen it, you've been there, you've done it. And I know 30, 60 days, you know, you need your time to ask questions, learn, figure out what the next uh, path forward is so you may not have the specifics but to you what does a highly you know we talk about investment into athletics and sometimes people see the top line stuff you mario the coaches but there's all of the guts of an organization uh that really make it move what does a, a really good athletic department look like in 2022 i think one of the things is every student athlete that we have having a great experience that's really important every great every student athlete that we have earning a degree the, the, that's important because we make a promise to them and their parents when they come here that they're going to be able to compete at the highest level and certainly the ACC and in many of the sports is is the epitome uh, of, of very great competition but we also need to make sure you don't get to relive your college experience you only have one um, we so might want we to we to, might wish for that that's right we all wish <laughs> to be able to go back um, but you only have one. And, and that's where the people around, you talked about the, 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 the next level of people. And, and I will tell you that one of the difficulties of being an athletic director is you don't get to create those bonds with the student athletes because you just, you have too many of them in, in many sports and pulls on your time. Um, that's why the people who are day to day, whether it's the strength coaches, the trainers, the academic people, the student development people, the mental health professionals that we have, they've got the creative people um, who are very, very close to, they've got to be at, at the top of their game and, and they've got to be able to represent the values associated with the athletic program and the university. And if, if all of those things are coming together, um, then you're going to, then that student athlete will have a great experience. So um, again, this is no secret, right? Football is the thing that drives the train at, at the university level and, the, you know, athletically, et cetera. Um, so I don't know if you and Mario have had enough time to discuss this. You've both been busy, but what does, what does a big time football operation look like? And then what does it do? Like if it's humming the way it was humming at Clemson, if it gets going here, what does that do? Well, I, I, I think it, it really creates a great pride for the university and, and for the people who are uh, a, a part of the institution, whether it's from a contributed funds perspective or, or just a, you know, a season ticket buying fan, uh, it gives them that great pride. Uh, and, and that's, that's incredibly important. Um, you know, there were, there were grown men crying in the, in the, um, in, in the stadium in Tampa in 2016, after Hunter Renfro caught that pass. Um, it just means so much to them. And that's the intrinsic positive that we're, we're able to provide to the people who invest with us. And, and that is, that's the epitome. 
to be able to have a, a program and specifically football that brings that kind of joy uh, to people who followed it for so many years. So it's the economic engine. What are, when you start looking at revenue generators, you know, think, you know, I, I was reading about back of your time at LSU. I, I don't know if there would be a personal seat license or a donation attached to the seat back then. And at first it was like, wait, what do we have to do? What? <laughs> but uh, what are some of the opportunities out there now? Or is it well, too early? It's a little early because I, you know, I've talked to, um, you know, some folks about, you know, how they model their, their finances right now and what their opportunities are. Um, I, I think that it would be uh, a little premature to look at any specific direction, but the, the biggest, the biggest cash and the biggest revenue generator that we need uh, is at Hard Rock Stadium is to fill the place up, is to make sure that, that people come to the games and create that atmosphere. Because that's not for revenue. Yeah, revenue is a byproduct of that because people are there. But it's for the, the next generation of student athletes who come through, the prospective student athletes who are there on their visits and they see the, uh, the great energy that's inside that, that stadium and how people really uh, are excited about uh, hurricane football. So that, you know, one good thing begets another good thing begets another good thing. And it just kind of begins to snowball from there. A few minutes left, Dan. So excitement, right? Hard Rock Stadium winning the whole deal. You, you, had, you had a coach leading the way in Dabo that, you know, he's transformed that program. What excites you about the guy you have here? Well, I think that, that Mario, first of all, he's a, a son of the University of Miami that and he understands where it's been and how and, and, and how great it can be. But he also left and he went and, and, and learned from some incredibly great coaches along the way. And so he, he brings all of those experiences together um, to come back and, and understand how to make it work here. Uh, he's an incredible, incredibly hard worker. Uh, he's very focused. Um, he understands, as you said earlier, how to get there. He's seen it. Um, so those are those are the things that that I've, in my just limited interactions with him over the first week, uh, have been incredibly Im impressed. Um, everything, uh, as many football coaches are, everything needs to be done yesterday. Um, but it's one of those kind of things where um, we know that we know that we have to move quicker than most. Um, so let's, let's make sure that administratively we do as much as we can to plow the ground, to be able to get the things that we need to be successful. Well, it has to move fast, right? Cause there's a big, there's a pay, a payoff, so to speak. And I don't mean financially, right? There's sort of, you said you just met 2016 people crying in the stands when Hunter Renfro makes the catch, the celebration, the confetti, right? I mean, as much as that's what the coaches, um, you know, that's their end goal. I imagine for you, it's the same thing, right? When you get to that place, you know what that means for the school. It does. And that, that's the um, gratification that you get, you know, being in these roles. You know, you, you know that you helped in, in some way to allow them to be there. And, you know, the joy uh, from the players, from the coaches, from the fans, um, that's, just, that's just incredible. One of the great experiences of my life. Dan, we appreciate you doing this. I know, uh, I know we got we to gotta end this one here, but I hope we get to do this again. Uh, Absolutely, Josh. Anytime, just let me know. Happy to be here. 